So Ledger is in the midst of damage control, which is not exactly what you imagined and dreamt up when you have a massive product release, but that is exactly what's happening right now. So today we're gonna dive into that. What is Ledger Recover and why it is so controversial? Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real world value. So over the last 24 hours or so, I've been seeing all sorts of interesting comments on Twitter about what Ledger is doing. And in case you haven't seen it, they're releasing this product or a service, I should say, called Ledger Recover. Ledger Recover is an ID-based key recovery service that provides a backup for your secret phrase. If for some reason you lose it or you don't have access to it, this service will allow you to securely restore your private keys by using your Ledger device. And right there, a lot of red flags should be going off. Well, how is that possible? Because if you lose your seed phrase or if you lose your private keys, how can you have access to that wallet? And that's where the whole controversy comes up. And as we know, probably one of the most difficult things within this whole Web3 onboarding process is getting people to set up their wallets and keeping their seed phrase secure. The older ones have 12, the newer ones have the 24, and having them to keep those words under lock, knowing very well that there's no customer service or anything, it is very intimidating. So because of that, a lot of people just want to go with a custodial wallet. They don't want to be in charge of their own. Well, Ledger has pretty much been the gold standard for the hardware wallets as one of the safest and best ways to secure your crypto assets, whether that is your tokens itself, such as your Ether and your Bitcoins and so forth, or it's the NFTs that are associated with the various wallets and blockchains. But however, this seems like a huge departure from that where it was all about self-custodian and all of that. So people are thinking, well, does that mean that they have access to your seed phrase and all of that and it's now a custodial wallet? Well, according to what they have released, and I don't think they've did a very good job of rolling this out, and that is why this is such a controversial topic, but I'm grateful for it because after all, I get to speak about it, and I even told them, I said, you know what, thanks for the content, and I won't be a jerk about it, but this is definitely worthy of being spoken about. And what's going on with the NFT community and the crypto community is very torn. They're saying that Ledger is a trader. They're going back on their words and so forth under the assumption that they now have access to those wallets, those seed phrases and accounts, and it is not a fully custodial, fully owned Web3 perfect device as possible. But according to what Ledger is saying, it seems like it is very similar to those wallets that I've spoken about in the past, such as Argent and such as Web3 Auth, where the seed phrase or the actual encrypted data is broken up amongst many different parts and then reassembled and decrypted to have that information. So not one party actually stores it. And that is exactly what they're trying to explain. But again, I don't think they did a very good job of basically just dropping this out there to the public. And unfortunately, the CTO actually goes on Twitter and they put out a video on the official ledger page. And boy, was it rough. It was like a Worst case scenario for comforting words. Normally, when someone has comforting words, they just go out and they speak to you. They say things. To me, that's like why I also don't really like buying cards. I like to tell people exactly how I feel because, well, those aren't really your words. Well, anyways, the guy actually goes out there and he just reads the script and explains what this is and why it is a safe option and you have nothing to worry about. And I thought it was just terrible damage control. Normally, you'd want your leaders, whether it is the president, the politician in your land or whatever it is during a time of crisis, to come out and just speak to the people. But he basically just read down the teleprompter and there was no human emotion and it wasn't very convincing in the sense that reassuring the people that are 
incredibly against this thing. Now, I happen to believe them because I've been researching various different options, and I think that is one of the things that's holding people back, but is going to help to really advance the onboarding of the process because it is so intimidating for me to explain to people that they have to keep their 24 words or else they lose everything. That right there is like a huge red flag, and because of that, people want no part of that. They feel much safer keeping their assets on a Coinbase or one of these centralized exchanges, knowing very well that there's customer service there. There's also so many risks that are associated with that, of course, if those companies go bankrupt. We're seeing what happened with FTX, with Celsius, and all these different companies that are centrally owned when they go under, the funds are frozen up and it's absolutely a nightmare. So self-custodial, having your own things is always the better option. So when people see this now that Ledger has a way to recover these seed phrases, that's why those red flags went off. But going back to this whole thing, as far as how this is stored, they have it broken up, encrypted, and stored across three different partners. And in summary, once someone submits their information with their government-issued ID and they're able to validate that this is their device and so forth, they pay a subscription to store those things in those three different locations. It's going to be stored with Ledger, CoinCover, and another third-party service. So as long as two of those three are in business at any time, then it can be recovered. So let's just say one of those companies happens to go bankrupt and there is only two of them left. Well, the seed phrase could still be recovered and when a third party comes on, then that would be there and available as well. So as long as two of them don't go bankrupt or out of business or seized or whatever it is at the same exact time, there's always the option to recover. But again, the recovery phrase is only needed if someone doesn't have the access to their account. So for example, they have to reset the device or the device is broken or whatever it might be and they need to reset it up on a new device or import it into a different wallet or whatever it is. That is why you're going to need that seed phrase. So if you don't have your 24 and it's all set up, well, that's why this recovery is important because they're the ones who are going to basically store on the back end for you. Now, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that this is not by default. This is something that you have to opt into at the point of setting up the wallet. So those of us who already have our ledgers, they're fully set up and operational and we're happy with the service and so forth. Well, nothing changes for us. It's not like they roll out some firmware that then allows the information to be sent out. What actually happens according to their publication is that you have to opt into this, set this thing up at the point of creation and pay your subscription in order to have that maintained, and that is how that's going to work. So a lot of people are now skeptical, thinking that, wow, every one of these devices is compromised, what's going on, and there's a lot of going back and forth and damage control that they're in. But basically, that is the gist of everything, and I truly think that this is something that could help people to come on board, but at the same time, I understand why the community is very skeptical about it. So I think it is a very nice option for brand new users. However, I won't be using it. One of the things that I really liked about the Trezor devices and I appreciated from day one is that it is open source. You can actually look at the code not that I've done it because I just don't have the technical skills to do it. However, the community, the crypto community, all the hardcore coders and cypherpunk and everyone that does have the technical skills is able to look at the coding and see what exactly is going on there to determine if it is safe, if there's any backdoor hacks and so forth. Also, by doing so, they're able to report certain things and make some patches. However, with Ledger, it is proprietary software. Everything that goes on within that Ledger device is in their hands. That is like 
patent protected and so forth. However, it is audited by independent third parties. And that is really up for debate as to, well, how do we really know if these parties are safe and so forth and whatnot? But, you know, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. I truly believe that Ledger happens to be a safe one because so many people have billions and billions of dollars worth of assets on it and there hasn't been any hack and so forth, especially during the peak of everything when Bitcoin was 69000 and no one hacked anything during then. There was no sort of uh, ramifications or anything related to the software itself. I think they have really proven themselves over the last, I don't know, however long they've been in existence, maybe 10 years, to say that they're a legitimate company and nothing fishy is going on behind the scenes. And of course, if I want to play devil's advocate, I could say that they're just waiting for mass adoption so that way they could do whatever shenanigans or craziness that they're going to do behind the scenes. Not enough people are in the system already, so why do it now when they can just wait for the billions to show up and then do it then? So. Just playing devil's advocate, putting that out there, just really showing you the balanced approach. But that is just one way to look at it because I don't want to say just because nothing has already happened doesn't mean that it cannot happen. However, that is just a point of concern because if this happened with Trezor, then everyone could just look at the code and say, you know what? Yeah, this is actually a legitimate thing and um, there is no backdoor and we can look on the code and say everything. So it's just sort of the drawbacks of having open source or proprietary software and what have you. And the one thing that I will say is Ledger is trusted. It is the NFT community's favorite. And when I first started off, I my first hardware wallet was the Trezor, and I was always in that route. However, as far as being able to connect to different platforms and use it, especially if you're someone who does a lot of trades or if you're someone that has a lot of different NFTs, well, Ledger really is the better option. It just makes your life so much easier. If you listen to earlier episodes, I give my review and I say, yeah, I'm all about the Trezor. I love my Trezor and I don't intend to go to a Ledger because it is proprietary software. However, over time, I ended up with both of them and now I use my Ledger and my Trezor. But as far as the ease of use, especially after these recent updates and how they can have the pin go in in a much better way than they originally did, I think that the Ledger ecosystem is only improving and I think it will be okay in the long run. And I see this just as another way that a business is growing and figuring out how to monetize itself because they can't just rely solely on selling these devices. At the end of the day, they want something like a service that can give them recurring income. And that's basically like the difference between selling NFTs and having a business model behind it. Well, they can't just rely on people buying new devices because as we see right now, the number of people that are coming into the space are not as much as they were during the bull market. And not to mention that these devices could last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, who knows? So someone could possibly buy one and never replace it for their lifetime. So, well, how can they then find other different ways to have revenue and secure their future? Well, having a software as a service, some sort of thing that has a recurring fee that will guarantee them future income. And we look at, say, Apple. Apple started off as a computer company. If you look way back in the day when I was a kid, it was Apple Computer Inc. Then after the release of the iPod when I was in high school, they just dropped the computer and was just 
Apple, just straight Apple. The computer part was dropped off because they were then making their money from iPods and iTunes, changed the music industry. Then, of course, by the time the iPhone and iPad came around, it's a completely different game now where money is coming through app store revenues. It is subscriptions for music services and movies and all these different things. So they're not as heavily reliant on selling hardware. They definitely still are, just like the iPhone is their bread and butter. These devices will be their bread and butter, but they have an additional income. And I think that is a good business move, regardless of where you stand on this whole thing. I think that is the direction that they went to. They are just trying to build a long lasting, sustainable business that's going to be here for the long run. And I think from a business standpoint, this was the better decision. However, I think the rollout is absolutely horrible. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I'll put a link to their question and answer page as well as those resources where the CEO or the CTO, excuse me, is explaining what exactly is happening here. And you can make your own judgment on that. Please feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter or using the contact information in the show notes. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.